Drogba indirilecez ama Snyder! Snyder gol! Today's podcast is brought to you by Ishtan Day and Vin Diesel. Merhaba and welcome to episode 2 of the Lion's Den, a Galatasaray podcast. From all around the world, I'm your host, Samet, and today we'll be discussing the latest news. It will be Ishtan Gün having some controversial tweets, expectation of, our, of the current board, Luis Campo being in Istanbul, Albert Riera returning as an assistant manager, and we'll move on from there to a roundtable discussion on the game against Kasim Pasha. And we'll also add in what our thoughts are about uh, the game against Trabzonspor, our match predictions, and so on. Just like last episode, we will have Brooklyn Emre, Canadian Jan, Australian Mazar, unfortunately without Dutchy Sali, but with our latest addition, Corporate Yasin. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Yasin. Welcome to us. Um, can you tell a bit about yourself like we did last time before we deep dive in gala topics? Maybe start with your name, age, where you're from, how you started supporting Galatasaray in general. Yeah, sure, of course. Thanks for having me, boys. Uh, my name is Yasin. I'm from New York, just like Emre. Um, I started following Galatasaray since I was a kid. Uh, nothing too crazy, nothing too heavy. By far, far from anything like a fanatic. Uh, my dad was a Galatasaray, my family is a Galatasaray, but I was born into kind of like a baseball neighborhood where I live. I, I, I played baseball, you know, until I was 10 years old. Soccer was, you know, once a month kind of thing for me until I was 10 years old. And I got into soccer. My dad was like, hey, you know what? You're good at baseball, but why don't you think about soccer? And that's when I saw my family, my relatives, you know, the whole... Turkish sodomy was really like, all right, you should get into soccer, you should get into soccer. So I started playing soccer, but it wasn't until 2011 that I really started following Galatasaray. And I remember the exact moment. It was the um, the Galatasaray-Fenerbahce game in Kadıköy. It was that whole Super Cup final playoff thing that was going on, uh, the extra part of the season. And I followed that game, you know, for the first time very detailed, probably my whole life, you know, following a game that closely. And we ended up, you know, tying the game, some miracle, you know, Fenerbahce was attacking the whole game, but we somehow ended up tying the game. And I just remember that moment feeling so excited, so proud to be a golf side. Like, even though before that I was, you know, like, you know, once every two, three years, you know, a family member gets you a golf side former from Turkey, from the Pazar, it's anything but real, but you're still proud to wear it. That's what I was until that moment. But after that, it was like, all right, Baba, and I want the Galside jersey every single year. It's on the Baba. How am I watching this game this weekend? Do we have Digiturk, or can you help me figure out how I'm going to watch these games? And then, eventually, I found uh, a wonderful place called Reddit Galside. That's where I was able to finally make friends and talk about Galside on a regular basis. And that's how I ended up meeting you guys. And today, you know, ten years strong, I I like to think that I'm a good Galside, and I follow just like you guys, and I'm. And I'm super proud to be here today with you guys on Galside Podcast. You know, this is amazing. Uh, you know, we were talking about it not that long ago. You know, there's nothing on the web to talk about Galside in English with friends. You know, you go, you go on yeah. YouTube and it's like, 
you know, you see these reporters in Turkey on their YouTube channels, Aspor, you know, Teretespor, you know, half the time they don't even know what they're talking about, at least in my opinion. But with, you know, with friends and Gals I read it, you get true opinions <laughs> from true fans. And, you know, I'm enjoying it. And this is something that is like kind of like a new chapter in my life as a Gals So I'm really proud to be here today. You guys did an amazing job last week. You know, I, I told my friends about it. And I can't wait to see where this goes, you know. Uh, I think yeah, the sky's the limit. Long, yeah, it, it's as long as we have fun, you know. That's the important part. And, uh, well, you just gave our whole backstory away now. Uh, the biggest mystery, episode two, already unleashed. Thank you. <laughs> uh, is there is there anyone else that wants to share a personal story uh, before we uh, go into gala uh, news? I don't have one personally, but didn't you have one last week? You close it off. You say, you know what? I'll explain it next week. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, actually, that's true. Yeah, it was. I mean, I am not a Terimji or uh, what's it called? Uh, Anti Terimji. Sorry, I was just checking something. But um, what I had was I woke up and I had a dream. And the dream Ooh. was uh, basically I woke up in a hotel room. So imagine you're waking up in a hotel room and, you know, sometimes these hotels rooms have like big windows. Yeah. Yeah. So in front of that window with light shining upon him, I saw Fatih Terim. And, and don't get me <laughs> wrong. I don't know why it was a hotel room, but it was definitely nothing sexual. What a uh, sight that oh is. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. bro. I don't know about that. No, no. And one thing is when I looked on my left. Emre Tashdemir was there as well. I don't know why. He does play left back. And this was, yeah, <laughs> because he's a left back. <laughs> he was <Nice>. in position. <laughs> exactly. And the thing is, I, um, I walked over to Terim and I, I was crying. And this was when his news like, was just out, you know. And uh, I was saying, Sini çok özleyeceğiz. I was like, oh, we're going to miss you a lot. And I was crying. And then suddenly, my grandpa came in, and he said, um, "Samet, Terim, uh, babanın dolma yapmış. Hadi gel yiyelim." And it basically <laughs> means uh, Samet, uh, Terim, um, your grandmother has made uh, what's that called? Dolma, the wine leaves, I guess. Grape leaves. Uh, yeah. So it's a Turkish dish. But yeah, and then I uh, said, "Okay, let's go." And then I woke up, and uh, I felt like a few tears. On yeah, if I may say. You so. must have been watching some Fatih Tedim videos before bed or something. Something to trigger that. Probably. Or it's a sign from more to come. I'm a, you know? <laughs> I'm excited about that dolma. Did the dolma taste good, bro? Yeah, now I'm hungry, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's where it ended, bro. I really, yeah. Oh, that's a cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone else has something you want to share? Hold on, Yasin, didn't you have a dream as well? My dream was like just hype bro i was excited to get on today's podcast i woke up in the middle of the night i was in my dream i was giving my introduction all nervous and then i had Salih like oh dude your introduction was too long we can't do 10 minutes of introduction just for yasin i woke up all sweaty you know god i i messed up my podcast went back to sleep and then i'm going through my introduction again Salih again it's like yasin your introduction you need to you need to work on it i'm like shit all right Woke up, went back to sleep, and this time, you know, I'm with all of you guys in the streets of where I live. We're walking around my neighborhood and just talking about Gossai, 
and it was like a live podcast. Like, you know, Samet's recording, he's got the recorder, and we're just walking down the street on the sidewalks talking about Gossai. And then, yep, that's that's pretty much my dream. I guess it goes to show how excited I was to get on the podcast today with you boys. Good thing Sal is not here today. <laughs> the good news as well is you're off to a good start. Yeah, he did take a long-ass introduction, but anyway. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> Cancelled already, w- just like up, your dreams. Wake up from my fourth dream. <laughs> In- Inception. Uh, yeah. All right. So um, one of the things I wanted to bring in terms of gala news was um, uh, Ustangun. I think we've heard a lot about him. And there's been some controversial tweets that were dug up and basically shared to everyone. And I'd like to read a few of them and see what you think of this. <laughs> it's very strange, to be honest. I mean, at that time, he probably was 30 or something like that. Still pretty, uh, pretty on age there. So one of the tweets says, are women who work in the banks obliged to gossip for hours on the phone? And how do they manage to orgasm like this? It's like some very weird tweet. And he continues saying, as the process went on, the woman working at the bank seemed to be getting softer while I was getting harder. And he has many more tweets like that. I think I have like 10 of them. I'm not going to go through. Maybe one more. Guardiola is finished. Guardiola has no courage. Guardiola doesn't know any... Well, he doesn't know the F of football. Like, like statement like this, well, I think Guardiola is, is fine. You know, you can say whatever. But uh, the ones against women, that's a bit, especially in these times, that's a bit harsh. That's harsh, and, for sure. Yeah. And I wanted to ask, like, uh, because he basically made a statement uh, on Twitter again that he, uh, he apologized for it, that he uh, regrets those things, etc. But... Other than that, he's still uh, at the board, in the board. I mean, there are women working in the company, in Galatasaray. Exactly. And, like, in my opinion, they should fire someone like that. I think in the in history against racism, there were some things done. I think against, uh, what's his name? Our uh, Algerian boy. I think he got some racist, uh, racist points against him. And then, uh, yeah, well, that board member got fired. I'm not sure, but... In my opinion, you should be fired. I don't see this as a very professional thing at all. Uh, I wanted to have your takes on that news as well. It's unprofessional yeah. and it's um, misogynistic, really, um, among many other things. What I wanted to say is, like, what sets Galatasaray apart from every other club is how much we pay attention to character, right? So when you first walk into Florida, like, wh- what's the first thing you see? It's in blue and white. It's, on, it's right on top of you. Right. It's what brought you here is your talent, and what's going to keep you here is your character. This is this is what we tell everyone. This is what we tell our senior team. This is what we tell our youngsters. And now you have someone like Ishtangun, who is just still working at the club after all these tweets. I don't know. Doesn't sit right with me. Yeah, and it's like it's also like you know that's not something that our club wants to be um, associated with, like someone with those values, right? I think now, especially because we do have a women's football team, that's you know you you can't have someone in your club that has said those things. And like to me, at least, it doesn't matter if it was ten years ago, twelve, fifteen, however long it was. I don't think that you want someone in your club that uh, has those values or had those values, even if he has changed as a person. But like I said, especially now that we have a women's football team, I don't think there's any room for, you know, that that sort of thing. Um, so I, I think 
he's he should he should be let go or he should resign. I I don't think he he would fit in with our club. Um, now he kind of put himself in a tough situation, of course. Apart from our women's uh, football, there's also board members that are women too that really voice their concerns, saying that they want him gone as well. So it just goes to show you that something's wrong within our board, and we're hiring these kind of people that are going against our values. So I don't know what Burak Elmas's like thoughts are on this. He hasn't really voiced his concern. All he asked was that the rumors are saying that he wanted him to resign, and even then he still says, I refuse to resign. My, my thinking about this is, you know, this he, he issued an apology six days ago, right, on January 15th. And part of that apology, he says, I know why these statements are being researched and uncovered today, but that doesn't excuse my doing so. I don't know, and I think it's extremely embarrassing for him to make a comment like that in an apology to these incredibly embarrassing tweets from back in 2010 and 2011. And to add on top of that, I think, you know, people make mistakes, right? Whether it's yesterday or 10 years ago. But I think what really diversifies a true leader from an average person, you know, a club, an institution that, you know, prides itself on what it stands for, how you respond to things, right? Burak Elma said, you know, we will take what we need to do. We will take uh, measures that we need to do. But it's been six days and we haven't heard anything. Uh, and there's rumors from a lot of credible resources saying that, you know, nothing is going to be done. You know, Ishtagun is going is to stay where he is. You know, why why haven't we heard anything as a club in six days when all you see on Twitter? I mean, not that we should respond to Twitter fans, but when all you see from fans is istifa, istifa, istifa. It, you know, let, let me you know, let me poke at your brains, too. Don't you think, you know. Letting go of this guy c- can kind of relieve that pressure a little bit. At least say, okay, Burak Elmas is a president. Who is he? Who is uh, he? Yeah. Uh, you know, he's like, part of the... What does he do? Uh, as far as I understand, well, this, the guys that I bought are very vague. But as far as I understand, he's kind of in charge of transfers. He's not like a sporting director or anything because we don't really have one. But he's kind of like gets involved with transfers. Um, because as we know, as a report went on a couple of days ago, he he was in PSV to negotiate. And one of their board members made fun of his tweets, so he left. Like, <laughs> he just said, all right, I'm not doing this anymore. And he left the thing, the negotiations. So uh, he's, he's in charge with some sort of um, transfers. That's all we yeah. know. We don't know how credible that is. Yeah, that's what he, executive board member uh, responsible for financial strategy or strategy in the long term, I understood. Yasin, you want to say something? Uh, it was me, but yeah. go ahead, Yasin. Go no, ahead. No, go, go ahead, Emre, go. I was just going to say, before all of these tweets came out, he was going to be taking a more serious role within Galsarai before this whole uh, tweet thing situation happened. Yeah. Did, did and you know, what, so, sorry, what, one more thing to add to that as well is that um, I would, like, think to yourself, if, if you were in that position, um, if, if I did that, for example, and I, you know, Maybe I don't want to call it a mistake, but maybe I made a mistake in 10 years ago for whatever reason I was saying these things, right? If those things were uncovered and unpacked 10, 11, 12 years later, um, if, you know, if, if you have any respect for the club and I think any respect for yourself, you would resign, right? Like no matter what he does now, 
if if he stays in the club, he's not going to be seen for anything other than those comments he made, right? Like whenever his name comes up or whenever someone sees him, the first thing they're going to think of are those comments that he made, right? So I, I don't even know why you would want that to begin with. And like I said, if you had any respect for the club and respect for yourself, you would just resign from your position. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know what he's like personally. I don't know if he has changed as a person, if he has not changed, if he does have any respect for the club, if he doesn't really care, right? So it's, that's kind of hard to say, but just I would imagine if I was in that scenario and, and respecting the club and and uh, the p- other members of the board, I, I would resign myself, right? I, I wouldn't want to be associated with that. If you guys were the president, wouldn't you take, you know, you know, fire him immediately instead of just asking for his resignation? Why isn't he doing that? Because think about it. That would relieve half the pressure that's already on Burak Elmas. So there's more behind the scenes that we don't know about. Maybe he needs him. Maybe, uh, well, a lot of people left already uh, from the board. Maybe he needs Ushtar and his supporters. The more he stays, the more that's going to leave. That's the problem, though. Yeah, well, I, I, in, yeah, in, that's, in, what, that's exactly right. In my perspective, um, I mean, there's a lot to be said good. There's a lot to be said bad about the current board. But I think uh, at the end of this summer, they're probably going to go for a re-election, maybe even April already. I mean, yeah, I think it's going to last until then. I don't. Th- what's so good about Ishitan Gun? Like, what's his credibility? Like, what has he done in the past? He's uh, the owner of Fortuna Stittard, right? Yeah. Yeah, That's all yeah. I know about him. And there, his team is in the relegation zone, fighting relegation zone right now. And he hasn't done anything to, you know, mediate that. Was Ishitan Gun the main catalyzer for Fatih Terim leaving? Possibly. That's what I heard. That's what I read, at least. So there's just so many reports going around right now. You don't know who to trust. A lot of conflicting reports. Yeah. Could be. Very well could be. And the, the thing with this Ishtanga as well, as Samit, uh, well, actually off stream, he mentioned that you, I, I kind of see a photo of this guy with Galsaray jersey on. So like... Well, Emre called him out. Is this guy? At f- was first, it, was it Emre? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, he called him yeah, out. I, Nobody I, I, believed Emre. And then this controversy happened and suddenly everyone like, is siding with Emre. <laughs> look, who is this guy? Like, who is this guy? So you're saying there's a pos- imposter among us. Well, he served with uh, what's his Unal <laughs> Isaac. Anyone is an imposter back in the day, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Amir. So yeah, I was just saying that Ishitan Gun actually served with Unal Isaac back in the day, and I don't know if Fatih Altai, uh, a news reporter, mentioned that even back then he was known as a very very strict anti-Tatum person, even yeah. back then. So oh, yeah. it could be that he was the catalyzer for him leaving. Yeah, did he I, bring uh, Luis Campo uh, to Istanbul? Emre? I haven't read that he personally bought him. It's more of you know Burak Elmas between him and Luis Campo. That's uh, the yeah. the connection there. Yeah, Yasin, you wanted to say something? I mean, I think you guys touched on a few good points and questions on whether you know he has an issue with Terim or there's you know there's been problems between the two because I remember when Burak Elmas was first elected as president there were a lot of rumors from good sources saying that Ishtak Gun was going to be like the sporting director he's going to be the guy that's you know handling the transfers and all that and you know it seemed done it seemed that that was his position and then all of a sudden it's like oh no you know there were there were disagreements you know Fatih Terim wants to handle all that with his team specifically 
So I think their problems, at least from what I remember reading, was, goes back to when Ishtagun was first part of the board with Tedim. Because you, we, we all know how Tedim is, right? You know, when he's here, he's Galsai. He handles everything. He sees it because he knows Galsai probably more than anybody else does currently alive, right? You know, he, he's part of it from the youth system to the current squad, to the board, to how Galsai looks to foreigners outside of Turkey, European clubs, those relationships. Tedim is Galsai. And I think there was a problem in the beginning where Ishtangun wanted to be the one that handles a lot of how the club handles transfers and the transfer policies and all that. But then out of nowhere, it said, okay, Terim is actually going to be the one that handles all that. And all of a sudden, it became a question to what this guy's actual position was, which is something that you guys just touched on as well. I have no idea either. The last time I remember reading anything that was somewhat legit to what his position was, was at the very beginning of Burak Elmas, uh, you know, stint. And that's when they said he was going to be a sporting director. Since then, silence. Just like many other things yeah. with the sport, unfortunately. Well, I mean, what what is a sporting director uh, in in general? Uh, like in Turkey, I don't think we had one, or at least that position wasn't really filled because, like you said, Terim was handling everything, and uh, Burak Elmas was approving the transfers, and that's that's what we know, right? Yeah, exactly go ahead, right. Mas. Yeah. So the sporting director, essentially, um, you can imagine, like, in the hierarchy, it sits between the, the coach and the, the board, the, or the chairman. So when you have someone like Fatih Terim, he's, he's not going to answer to anyone, right? So that, that's, that's, a, that's a big issue that we had previously. So the coach, essentially, would be handling, I don't know, picking the team, uh, training the team, etc. And the sporting director would uh, kind of oversee the, the entire footballing side. So they'd also, they'll be doing transfers as well and all that kind of jazz. But the issue is, like I mentioned before, when you have Fatih Terim and a sporting director, it's, it's just not going to work because when Fatih Terim is there, he's, he's doing everything. He's, doing, he's picking the team, he's training the team, and also, he's also doing all the transfers. So um, now with Fatih Terim gone, we could maybe see a sporting director, but... And I, I think that we'll might be... Uh, that could be a benefit as well with bringing in foreign coaches and uh you know foreign i guess just figures in in the organization in the club right like the, in my opinion at least the, the turkish mentality is not really that well suited for the football world um you know especially like you just mentioned for Fatih Terim that is probably one of the biggest personalities and biggest egos in the country when it comes to football right so um, just like you said, there's no way that was ever going to work with uh, a proper sporting director or, or, or any type of director in the club where he would have to answer to or, or anything like that. That's just not going to work, right? So I don't know. Do you guys think that could be a benefit of having a foreign coach, possibly foreign uh, football director and just foreign people in the club at the helm? Is, is that a benefit for us? Or Yeah. Um, Some things you yeah, don't know don't. as well as other people, right? Like, go ahead, Mozar. No, no, you're going. I, I spoke too much already. <laughs> well, I like it when you talk. So, anyway, um, <laughs> like I said, I mean, Fatih Tatum could handle everything, right? He can oversee everything, but is he the best at doing what he's like? The sporting director, is he going to be doing the best that he possibly could? Whereas I would prefer he just focus on coaching the team and let other people handle everything else, like transfers, overseeing the youth team, et cetera, et cetera. I think the main benefit of having a sporting director is. The sporting director is there to stay, have a long-term vision on the transfers and everything. So 
whoever comes in as the coach, or at least they will always hire a coach that fits in the long-term strategy of the club, and they can switch all the coaches they want, their transfers will be solid, and their strategy will be planned out. So you'll have a coach coming in, and, and that won't change, and they will continue. What's happening now, especially, okay, now it's, uh, especially with Galatasaray, oh, that's Fatih Terim's team. We need a, a new coach with different players, complete rebuild, rinse and repeat. And I think that's the benefit of having a sporting director is that you at least, uh, some aspect, you stabilize them, unlike having a coach every year and having a different team every year. Uh, I think I think that's the main thing. Well, with, with that, exactly right. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, I I'm just thinking. Right. In theory, it sounds great. I, I love the idea. I love the structure of it. I love how each person is responsible for something specific to their role. Right. Like it's not one person trying to control everything. I love it. But do we think in Turkey that's possible? I mean, why do I say that? Right. You have these clubs, especially the biggest stumble clubs like Fenerbahce, Galatasaray, Besiktas. We're constantly trying to win, right? And if you don't, if you don't win one, two years in a row, you have a lot of pressure. When you get a lot of pressure, you you change, right? You change, chaos erupts. Especially at Galatasaray, we're known for chaos. So what happens when you get chaos? You you hear it in the stands. Listen to the last game. What do you hear? You hear, United team istifa, United team istifa. Eh? No, what what happens after that? Your president potentially changes. Your coach potentially changes. And as we just saw in the middle of the season, not only did our coach change, our entire staff changed, right, from the bottom to the top. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we did a cleansing. You might argue with me saying, okay, it's kind of a unique time because Fatih Terim and all of his guys left at once. Usually, all things equal. You're not, you're not going to have one guy like Fatih Terim and his entire team controlling the whole process. But if we look at our, you know, our rivals, our, or you know, Besiktas and Fenerbahce, look at them when they go through change. How much, you know, they also change a lot of people from the bottom to the top. So when you bring a guy like, let's say, Luis Campos, right? You know, big name, you know, big, big vision. When you change the coach, if we change the coach six months from now, is that coach going to align with this guy's vision? Or are you going to? What I said. They, yeah, yeah. Exactly. The, the sporting exactly. director hires then a similar coach with the same philosophy. And, and that's what uh, Borussia Dortmund have been doing. They've been always getting the coaches that fits with their transfer uh, policy and philosophy. So they don't have issues with that. But then but that's yeah, and also uh, a different animal. Go ahead. Ben. Yeah, like and, and, and what uh, Yasin just mentioned as well, um, that's, uh, that's a really vicious cycle. Like going because, you know, like you mentioned, the um, immediate results and immediate impact that the fans expect in Turkey. Right. Um, when when they're not getting that and they start asking for the, the board to resign and coaches come in and out, presidents come in and out, you know, it, it creates such a mess. And that's such a vicious cycle that I think teams can easily get trapped in. Right. Um, and I think um, Fenerbahce have been. I guess um, they've been caught in that a little bit, right? Especially with the coach situation and they found it really difficult to settle in and, you know, create a project and stick with it, right? And I think that's that's probably one of the most difficult things about Turkey is the pressures that come with that that we touched on last week as well. And the fact that you need to succeed right away. And if you don't, you're going to be in trouble with the fans, the media and everything else that comes with that, right? So... I think that's really, really difficult, uh, a difficult thing about Turkey. Yeah. 
Yeah, we've seen that uh, in the last game, right? With all the Terry yeah. masks that they had on. It's chaos, basically. Yeah. Like John said, I touched on this last week. Uh, bringing a you know, new coach in at the middle of the season, it's kind of a tough thing to ask for a coach to turn everything around. That's why I usually prefer that they come, you know, before the season even starts because they usually have less pressure. They have more time to implement their strategies, ask for the transfers that they need, et cetera, et cetera. And then Torrent, um, you know, lost two games back to back, unfortunately, you know, has a lot to recover from because now we're heading into a rough stretch. Yeah. Well, one thing I'm happy about uh, with the latest news is... uh, Albert Riera coming back. Well, maybe first thing to be said about this is why did he ever leave? Like there was no sound in Turkish media about his him leaving, and suddenly Terim's gone, Torrent's back. He's Spanish, Torrent's Spanish, and he's back. Uh, like yeah, it, it seemed weird. a little bit convenient. Yeah, I, I I see what you're you're touching on there. Definitely does seem convenient. I. I I wish we did know a little bit more, I guess, why he left to begin with and if there was some controversy or some turmoil between him and maybe Fatih Terim, maybe someone else on the bench. I'm not really sure, but um, that is, I guess, clouded in some mystery that I don't know if we'll ever find out what really happened. I'm happy to see him back, you know, regardless, but it is kind of, uh, does seem a little bit convenient when Fatih Tedim leaves, he comes right back a week later. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure what happened there. When he came, what was his real like role in our club? And when did he exactly leave? Assistant manager. I, I think, think at the uh, end of, I think at the end of last season, right? He left or beginning of this one. Yeah. 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 He went to play football, some Legends Cup and he never came back. <laughs> <laughs> uh that's right oh i think yeah. i remember that yeah <laughs> yeah you just never came back yeah yeah i've heard rumors that it was because he didn't want to be assistant manager and do some coach work but since he came back as an assistant manager i guess that's not true so yeah i, I guess we'll never know well and it's like uh, and, and one more sorry one more thing oh. about that as well i was i was curious that like just just thinking about it i was wondering if maybe he left to begin with because um, he didn't agree with Fatih Terim or they didn't really see eye to eye on some things. But I, I don't know, like, I, I wonder because he he was so successful with our club. He he, he was such um, an important figure in, in our main team when he was a player, right? So it's like, if I don't know, if, if he didn't agree with Fatih Terim, maybe would we have seen that when he was actually a player? Or is it just different now that he's actually a coach to uh, like an assistant coach for Fatih Terim where the disagreements happen? You know, it's 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 interesting. Like, did they always not see eye to eye if that was the case, or was everything fine when he was a player? But th- maybe his perspective changed becoming an assistant coach. It's it's a really interesting thing. Like I said, I wish we knew a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think one thing that I give him uh, big props for. Uh, and I think he had a big role in is well he made Thailand if I see all the videos and the talks he had when Thailand made that uh, change to defensive midfield um, which he was at his peak by the way so I hope with him returning we'll see uh, glimpses of that back as well yeah I know what you're talking about yeah he gave Thailand a lot of attention when he was playing last year and like you said his performance did shoot up quite significantly I think Kedem too at the end of the season. 
yeah did you have any uh, other points uh, or news well, well f i think i didn't ask the most important question uh did we bring luis campo to be our uh sporting director because i heard he uh, okay. left again can, <laughs> can i can i take over yeah okay so firstly um yeah he's he's gonna leave on the i think it's on the 24th so after the Trabzon game or something but i think that was planned from the start i was gonna watch two games see what it's like and then leave but um according to reports the position that he's wanted for is is a consultant he's going to be a consultant for Elmas, not not a sporting director so Elmas wants him to kind of control the the restructuring um of the football department like you know they're trying to make the whole team younger and all that he's going to help us with that the reason why he will never be a sporting director and i am saying never is because he's not going to move to turkey firstly and secondly he wants way too much money his, his earn, he was earning at his previous club 15 million euros a year. That's that's three Falcao's a year. We, we, we just can't afford that. If, if he does come... <laughs> sorry? What was his previous club? It, um, I think it was Lil. Lil, Lil yeah. okay. So, yeah, so if he does come, it's going to be out of his goodwill or because he gets along with Elmas or he just loves Gaz today. He won't come for the money. So, and as far as I know, we're not really close to coming and it coming to an agreement but having said all that this guy like if we had 15 million like euros in the bank account i'd give that all to luis campos why because this guy made 600 million euros in transfers while he was at monaco and lille like collectively his, his nickname is the wizard of capital gains yeah that's funny i was just and gonna say that's magical that is absolutely yeah, magical <laughs> yeah that's that's bro we haven't made a penny from our transfers in the past five years. This guy's made six hundred million over two clubs. Um, yeah, also, he's got he's got a, a problem selling players for sure. That that that's exactly right, and he's also got a great uh, football background. He was he was a scout and a tactical analyst for Mourinho at Real Madrid, so he's he's not just some random guy off the street. He knows he really knows his football. And while at Monaco, he's, he's brought in some really big names. I'm just going to speed run through a couple of them. Our very own El Tigre, Radamel Falcao. That was him. That was his transfer. Moutinho, James Rodriguez, Fabinho, Martial, Cavalier, Berbatov, Bernardo Silva, Bakayoko, Kondogbia, Thomas Lamar. I'm going to stop there because there's so many names. But this guy, he's... I just wish Galatasaray could get a guy like this. I wish because of these names he's transferred to Monaco and to Lille. Like, yeah, he's he's a master. He's a master for sure. Like you look at that resume and what he was able to do for those clubs, it's he's a master at what he does for sure. Like you know, obviously we we can't afford something like that if if that is what he wants or if he if he did want uh money in that price range, of course we can't afford that. I think the only thing that our club can really offer him is a challenge. And I don't if he's looking for that at this point in his career, then that's that's great. Um, but definitely, yeah, just like you said, I think you, I think your words was that's three Falcows and yeah. I, I don't, I don't even, I can't even comment on that. I wonder what his uh, thoughts were when he was watching our last home game. He might be thinking this is a sinking ship, you know, by the time Throbson game comes around, he might not even take our consult at all. When Who he knows? came to, yeah, when he came to Lille, uh, the first year they were almost relegating as well. So I don't know if that says something, but uh, we are near that relegation yeah. zone as well. And, and I'm glad you said that because yeah, um, 
when Lille was in relegation, he took over the sporting director, and then they came second. They came runners-up in 2018 and 2019, and next year. they went to win the next year, but that year he wasn't the sporting director because they changed owners. But you can kind of see, that's, I would kind of warrant that to him as well. Yeah. And he also helped Monaco champions, so these guys are just... Yeah. He laid the foundation. I see. Yeah. And uh, Yasin, um, uh, Luis yeah. Campo came with someone else, right? I think, uh, was it Mourinho's assistant? I don't know. I mean, Samet, if you don't mind, I just wanted to make a quick point on to add on to Mazar. Mazar, oh, go listed, ahead. Li- Mazar listed some good names, right? But like John said, can we really afford these names? The two names that actually excite me most that's related to Luis Campos is Zeki Celik and Burak Yilmaz. Both of these players were brought to Lille with... Luis Campos as sporting director. Now, why does that excite me? Because, first of all, Zeki Celik, he was bought for 2.75 million euros, right? And, you know, today he's worth how much? 18 million, if you believe transfer market, of course. But he's a good player. He's Mili Takum's best right back. And he was rumored with Tottenham and many other clubs in Europe. What's interesting to me is that this guy knows that this guy Zeki exists in the first league what's exciting to me is that Luis Campos was interested in Burak Yilmaz back when he was playing for Galsai these names and you know these types of rumors and all that excites me because maybe Luis Campos knows you know that there's other Turkish players in the first league that his team is eyeing that can help Galsai right that we can actually afford not these big names that you know his other clubs paid 5 10 20 million for and sell for 50, 60. But if he can help us find these Zeki Celiks for one, two million, you know, more Kedems and more, you know, Budish, if it turns out right, more of these players, then we can sell them for 10, 15, 20 million. That's huge for us. You know, if, if he knows that Burak Yilmaz was good for Galsai and he brought them, he brought them to later, later, maybe him and his team know that Kedem and Markal and Nelson are good players and he can help market these guys to the bigger clubs in Europe. So that's what excites me about this guy more than anything else. It, it goes to show that in his history, he knows something about the Turkish league. His team follows the Turkish league. And that's immense for us because, you know, us as fans, we can list these names, but, you know, we don't have a say in anything. And you see you see what our board brings. We, we bring these players who, you know, had one good stint in the in the Super League last season. They come to us and they shit the bed. I'm sorry, but they, they don't play good, right? Like, you question our strategy, but when you, when you associate with these guys like Luis Campo, you know, you get a little bit more belief, you get a little bit more optimism that they can actually see something in the Super League that even that we don't see. So that's, I just want to list those two names in case, you know, the guys didn't know, Zeki Celik and Burak Yilmaz. He was super important in bringing both those guys to uh, Lele, you know, as far as I know. But um, mm-hmm. you, were, you were asking about his assistant. I, I, I actually yeah. don't know about anything about the guy. There was one video that I saw, you know, he worked with Mourinho. You know, he's, he's like a side man, you know, right-hand man, just like I believe Torrent was for uh, Pep, but... As for his background, I'm not sure too much. Maybe some of the other guys know? I have no clue, but uh, I will say this is like the first time I'm excited about someone that Burak Elmas is bringing to the club to help us excel. So I hope he actually does help us. I don't know, Mazar has been on point with uh, Louis Campo. Mazar, you know who's right-hand man? Right-hand man, to be honest, not really because I didn't get a chance to look into it because mm-hmm. after the match, the morale was just... Okay, this is your last episode, man. <laughs> you didn't do your, yeah. you didn't do your research. Look it up. Yeah, no uh, research. I'm, go- I'm doing NBA streams from now on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. 
Um, yeah, yeah, but uh, I think we talked a lot and perhaps enough about the latest news, unless we're forgetting anything. But uh, we'll always have more time on Sunday, I guess. Um, maybe we can move on to discussing... Oh, wait, I have to put my happy voice on because last time I was sounding like dead and depressed when I announced uh, our uh, match day performance against uh, Hatay Spor, was it? Yeah. So, yeah, we played against Kasim Pasha. Donks uh, was uh, our old player. He's at Kasim Pasha now. And what the hell did we play? Like, um, I have no clue what happened, so... I'm guessing I'm going to let a real coach uh, take this introduction. Uh, John, maybe you want to start off with saying a few things, how we started, uh, what happened. For sure. And, uh, what you thought of our performance uh, mm -hmm. on top of last week's game. Definitely, yeah. So thank you for that, by the way. Um, <laughs> honestly, um, there's, there's a lot to go into about this match, mostly negative, unfortunately. But even, even before we, we dive into the... Uh, you know our, our actual performance. I think it's it's worth noting as well that uh, we had, I guess, due to uh, suspensions, we had to start with a bit of a makeshift midfield, right? Which was um, Van Anholt playing beside um, Alpaslan. So that was um, that didn't quite go to plan, I guess, like how maybe Dominic Torn thought it would. But we we started the match in a four-two-three-one, and the two um, right in front of our back line was Alpaslan and and uh, Van Anholt. And, um, you know, those two players, especially, um, especially Alpaslan, I think that was a really poor, I don't want to say, I, it was a poor choice, but I know it's difficult as a new coach trying to put the pieces together, especially when you have some players on other assignments, suspensions, injuries, whatever it is, right? But um, if I could just dive into those two for, for a minute, I thought Alpaslan was absolutely horrible in that position. Before um, you go along. Balkan mm -hmm. and Thailand were both suspended, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, I guess, that's where the you know we had to get a bit creative. But even though we we did have um, players like I touch on the bench who probably could have played in that position, we went with Alpaslan and Van Anholt. Um, like I was saying, I thought Alpaslan was really, really bad in that position. He was from just my observation he was never in the right position he's not mobile enough to play there as well right like players in that position you need to always uh be moving into space and and putting yourself in an area where you can receive the ball right i don't feel like he was ever doing that he was a little bit clumsy um and van anholt i thought actually was kind of the opposite although i i didn't think he played very well in that position i could see that he was trying and, and looking to get himself into space to receive the ball but I felt that for that position, he was playing with a little bit too much finesse and not enough grit, if that makes sense. That's a bit more of a gritty position. So that didn't work out too well, unfortunately. Um, and uh, aside from that, uh, maybe I can just get into a little bit of what I thought about the first half. Maybe we can talk about the first half first. But, um, you know, I think a lot of people might disagree with me, which is fine. But um, the way that we started this first half was a little bit of a slower tempo, um, very patient in build-up play, enjoying the ball, um, which I, I personally like that. I like slower build-up. I like slower play. I know a lot of other people like a bit more of attacking, I guess, it, I don't want to say attractive. That's a bit of a subjective thing or objective, but... Um, yeah, I thought we were a lot more patient in build-up. We weren't forcing the ball, and um, I like that. I like enjoying the ball at home. 
Um, I like making the other team chase after the ball and teams get tired when they do that. You know, when a team is chasing the ball for like 60 out of the 90 minutes, they get tired and that's when you can break down teams and play through their back line and um, really open them up, right? Um, again, I think some people might disagree with that, which is fine. I, I don't really mind um, passing side to side and back if it means we have uh, possession of the ball and we're looking so to open them up. I, I don't mind that. You like um, Terran play? Yeah, I, I don't know if that's Terran play. I'm, I'm not sure. Like, you know, with Fatih Terran, I found a lot of times during the match, we were forcing the ball for no reason and trying to jam the ball down the other team's throat when we didn't have to do that. Like... We're, we're playing a team that's in relegation, right? I know we're not too far from relegation, but of course, we're the biggest team in this league, right? I don't think that we should be trying to force the ball or jam the ball down the other team's throat. I want to set up in their half, and I want to enjoy the ball. We're at home, right? Um, we you know, failed at all, what you mentioned, this game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, you know, the point I was going to make was, before I, I pass it off to someone else, in the first half at the beginning of the first half we were doing that and i i liked seeing that i like the patient play i i like seeing the team hang on to the ball enjoy the ball and not kick it away i loved seeing that unfortunately in the second half that all went out the window and uh we were really disorganized and like i mentioned trying to jam the ball down custom push us throat right which absolutely did not work but um yeah i don't know what what do you guys think for just first half thoughts what do you guys think Let's have Yasin start uh, from there. I think John made some good points. Uh, and I agree with you, John, when you say, you know, having the ball is important, passing the ball is important. And why do I say that? This team, you know, after the game, Torrance said it, and but it's something we've been seeing. He said, this team, when we let up a goal, we fall easily. This team is missing confidence. This team lacks that energy because the fans are not there. They just lost their coach. We've been losing for how many games straight, right? confidence and that Özgüven in Turkish we call it you know it's super important when you're playing right it allows you to make that pass better it allows you to shoot when you maybe would be worried otherwise Torrent realizes that this team is lacking that confidence so I think that's why he wanted to play that style in the first half let's not let up a goal in the first half because if we let up a goal in the first half you know who knows what could come after that especially when the team is so weak mentally at the moment so i i agree with that approach and i think that's what ties to the whole apaslan and van anholt situation too i mean obviously we're missing thailand and berkan our two best center defensive midfielders if you want to call it that this whole season you know berkan being a workhorse he does all the work in the midfield that you know makes it easier for players like chikaldao to play in the midfield so we're missing these guys when you play Alpaslan and you play Van Anholt, who are obviously defensive players, one is a CDM turned into center back and the other one is a left back, it kind of gives you a little bit of confidence, at least in theory, right, that we're going to have the ball a little bit more comfortably and we're going to give up less positions. However, I think, you know, we didn't see it in the first half, right? We finished one half, uh, one nothing in the first half, so we didn't let up a goal. But correct me if I'm wrong, we let up a lot of good chances to Kassam Pasha that they couldn't finish. That was very worrying. I mean, we got away with it in the first half, but obviously saw it in the second. They scored three goals. So we need to really work on that defensive approach to it. And I and I had a lot of friends and, you know, uh, people saying, why are you playing with six defenders, right? Like, how many defensive, defensive players do you need? But clearly, even when you're playing with two defensive players in the midfield, you're still letting up goals. So I think... 
approaching it with that passing mentality, holding the ball is kind of the safe way to go about it. But I don't know how soon we're going to be able to fix the problem of, you know, giving up these easy chances. Uh, I don't know what you guys think on that one. You know, we're giving up too many chances too easily in the last two games. Um, well, yeah, I agree. We're giving up more chances to teams than we have previously. And just to touch on you or your previous statement, we actually tied going into the first half with Custom Pusha. Oh, was it so tied in the first half? It was okay. a tie. Yeah, it was Ryan Donk, 45th oh, yeah, minute. Right, right before, yep. In, the, in extended time. Ironic. Yeah. Yeah, our former player scoring on us. Name a better duo. Um, Like you said, I don't know. Well, how is it that we're playing more defensively this game, but we're letting up more chances? I, I Apparently, this was an issue with uh, Torrance's play style previously at his old former club. I don't, I don't know. No, maybe Maz, yeah. if you want to say anything. Maz, Maz. Uh, look. I might be over my pay grade here. I don't want to say anything about Torrance tactics after one week. But I played a bit of football younger. When you when you let the team come onto you like that, they, they, they're going to shoot. They're going to they're gonna have a couple of opportunities to shoot, yeah? And when you have someone like Ismail Chipe, look, I'm not going to throw him under the bus. I, I can't fault Ismail Chipe at all in, because he's... he's like, how is it his fault, bro? Like, he's, he's, he's normally a third, this is a third keeper, right? There's Musleta yeah. and Okan before him. Okan should never have left the club. Never, never. But well, it happened, and now he's in goals. I can't, I can't fault him, even though he's because of Yasin's Hemshire. Anyway. It's because of Yasin's <laughs> Hemshire. Uh, yeah. Exactly. But I don't think we should. I think we should be a bit more aggressive, a bit more attacking, as they would say, and not let them come into our half as much. Because when they come into our half, we fall asleep. Like as as we saw from Dong's goal, Haile should have been marking Dong. No one. He was Donk was just in the box, free. He got he was the running ball, away bang, from he shot it. Exactly. He was doing. He's like he's not marking. Like he, I think he assumed that we were gonna go on the counter, but you can't assume when you're playing defense. You, yeah. you, you can't assume. You got to be there because it's yeah. a split second. Split second mistake. You cop the goal and ha- ha- Halil, down after that anyway. Halil is not Galatasaray's player in my opinion, but what I noticed one thing. Well, my personal uh, observations. Last game, we made two clear wins. That was Sashik Bowie coming back and Emre Kulunc finally being played at his position. And I think he did a good job. And this game, did we see either of them start? I don't think so, right? So both our left lane that, well, was working well last time wasn't there. I mean, I don't want to judge Torrent yet. He's obviously a new he, basically, we should see this as a complete restart. He's still figuring things out. He's still figuring the players out. But at least someone could have told him what everyone else knows, like Boe and Kulinch worked last game. They should be playing again. I mean, do, does he think Yedlin is better? Do you guys think Yedlin is better than Sasha Boe? No, I do not. That's the better question. Why did we get him? Why did he play? Let alone get him. Um, why? 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 Just game. why? Yeah. Why? I mean, we could ask why is Ismail Chiba playing instead of Fatih Öztürk? Is Fatih worse than Ismail Chiba at his current it's state? Because Yasin's Daya so. is from Giresun and uh, <laughs> with Burak Elmas, Actually, so they sent him to Giresun, uh, right? I'm, I'm I'm glad you said that because uh, one of my dear friends, Eren, just messaged saying, we have come to an agreement with Giresun Sport to bring back Okan. 
But if, if anything does happen, like if last minute um, we can't sign the deal, can't seal the deal, we're going to get Sinan Bolat um, no. from Gents. So let's hope that this <laughs> this this uh, report is true because it's from a decently credible source. I wouldn't say S-tier, but it's like a tier two or a t- uh, well, mm-hmm. high tier two. So let's see how that happens. Hopefully he'll be coming for the Trabzon game. Thank you, Eren, for that. Okay. Well, yeah, I, and and one more thing as well. I think that um, you know, obviously there's there's a a new playing style and 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 players are being given new instructions for these matches, right? And I think, you know, it's it's already hard enough to to adjust to that, especially mid season, like just in the middle of the season, you know, changing tactically and changing your play style and and changing these little things, right? I think in this match in in particular, it also didn't help that. Um, we had that that makeshift midfield. I, I think that caused a lot of problems for us defensively. Um, like in my opinion, I'm not a fan of Alpaslan. He he barely even knows how to play his usual position in centre back. In my in, in my opinion, correction. Um, hmm. he actually played uh, defensive midfield for Elazospor in yeah. 2017 and 18, and he actually scored seven goals uh in the in that season uh and made one assist so that that was interesting i didn't know that i i looked it up afterwards but maybe that's why uh they preferred him to play at defensive midfield yeah possibly i i, I didn't know he had that experience and that's that's even worse to be honest if he's played there before <laughs> I, I thought he was really bad in that in that position and yeah. it just it, it creates too many gaps for us like the midfield is not a place to where, where you can have things like this like it causes way too many issues for you defensively tactically keeping possession of the ball so i'm hoping we do see a difference when we have our usual midfielders thailand berkan playing again um but it's 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 a really difficult time man like changing tactically like i said mid-season and having players that are on different assignments and this and that it's it's difficult so so like the rest of you said i i don't want to judge yet i do want to have some patience and see how this develops and things like that but uh, man, it was it was a frustrating. It's it was a the little things match. you want to see change quickly, right? Because we all know Emmer Bayram is not made to play for this team, and I was wondering why he decided to put Van Anholt in midfield when he could have put like Itouch or even Bartu. It's like these little things. I I would like to ask him or wonder or like why like some had said why is he playing Yedlin, who is known to let up so many positions opposed Emre. to Sasha. You make a good point on the midfield. It's actually what I wanted to say is we have someone that has proven himself on the midfield and we have someone that has proven himself that he's bad on left-back position. So exactly. why are you putting Patrick van Aanholt on midfield position while we have that someone that made 10 assists a few seasons back? Yeah, I know I'm going to get hate for this, but Umar Bayram on center mid position actually well he, he's proven he did well and, and i better. believe he's good yeah well at least way better than left back for sure so like how did that come about and, and let me remind you omar bayram got preferred over enzonzi lemina and seri when he was playing center mid so i think that oh, was i remember that season yeah that was odd yeah what a confusing time omar de bruyne yeah yeah so I'm not blaming blaming Torrent, but 
I mean, we've been complaining with Terim about these type of things, and we have Torrent, and I'm just uh, unhappy that, well, he's not doing those things that we were complaining about. Summit, uh, I think, you know, you guys, Emre, too, you, you ask very valid questions, and I was, you know, talking to myself, too. Why are we playing Benahel in the midfield when we've never seen it before? These are valid questions, and as fans, it's our responsibility to ask these questions and take note of it and talk about it. But Torrent'in bir bildiği var. When is it to me justifiable to start really getting upset and angry towards Torrent and his team? It's when we start to see the same mistakes game after game, or repeatedly, I should say. This is his second game. This is the first time that we see him play the way that we did. And, you know, he has valid excuses because of missing players, right? But we haven't seen it, in my opinion. We haven't had time to see it, but we haven't seen him make very obvious mistakes repeatedly, right? It's his second game. It's his first week here. So I think as fans, we need to be patient. We need to discuss these problems and ask these questions. But when you have two of your midfielders missing and the team is in this form, right, if you want to call it a form, losing and tying how many games, winning how many games in the last 10, 11. When we're in this form, you have to kind of give patience to it. And, you know, I'm hopeful for the next game because we're getting two important players back. I think I read today, Thailand is coming back, right? He had a two-match suspension and they dropped it to one so he can play where Strub's on. I think Barkan's coming back too. These are huge yeah. additions. And unfortunately, fortunately, I think we won't be seeing either Alpasan or Van Holt in the midfield again. So, you know, are you? how do you guys feel about the next game, you know, with these players coming back versus first place pretty much or maybe already champion Trabzon? How do you guys think about that? Well, I'd like to... Something I, uh, I reminded myself of while you were speaking is uh, I'd like to apologize to all of you. Uh, I believe it's uh, my fault we've been losing the past, I think, 10 games. Well, let's say nine out of the ten games because um, one, yeah, I was uh, streaming for me and some friends the past ten games. And uh, one of them I didn't stream, a friend streamed, and uh, we won that one. And um, I don't know, I, I, I continue streaming, so I apologize for that. I think Trabzon game, I'll probably stop s streaming. Uh, but yeah, so in terms of predictions for the Trabzon game... Um, I don't know. Let me let me have a quick think while uh, maybe Emre gives his uh, prediction. Uh, well, Trabzon, I'm, I don't know if I'm very hopeful. They're in extremely good form right now. Um, they've scored more than they conceded. Way more than they conceded. They, they scored 39 goals and conceded only 16. So not only is their scoring presence very effective, their defensive presence is the best. They're... They're tied, I think, with uh, Konya Sport for the, the least amount of goals conceded. So That's as many as us, yeah. <laughs> and whereas we look at our defensive and scoring, we're, we scored 27 and let in 31 goals. Almost twice, we, we conceded almost twice what they conceded. So it's going to be a very difficult task for Torrent to work around their offense and their defense. So I'd like to see more... Uh, Attacking presence in the front to disrupt Trabzon. I don't know what uh, John may think about it. 
Yeah, it, it, that's it's going to be difficult. It's a it's it's a real test, and unfortunately, we're not really in a position to be you know going up against a test like this. I think, um, but I'll, I'll, I'm going to give a, a a prediction in a second. But one one more, one more thing I wanted to say as well is that I think with Dominic Torrent, he's he he doesn't have a play style that is suited you know to join a team that's struggling and turn it around within one, two, three games, right? I think it's more of a long game with him and getting a team to understand and implement a different style. So I am not sure what's going to happen in the coming weeks. You know, I like I said, I think it's going to take a while for the team to adapt to that and we don't really have much time creeping closer to relegation. But uh, Trabzon are fantastic this year. It's it's, it's a really, really difficult game. Um, I'm going to give a bold prediction and I'm going to say it will be a 1-1 draw. Classic Trabzon Gala result. Um, yeah, I I agree. I also think it's going to be a 1-1 draw. But I, I don't think there's a chance we win that. Because Trabzon, I don't think anyone mentioned this, so I'm going to say it. Out of their last 28 games away, they're undefeated in 27 of them. So they're, they're, a, they're incredible away. And we're just in shambles right now. But just like to add Sam to that, said as well. yeah, go they on, have go on. one loss this whole season. Just one loss. They scored the yeah. most goals of any team this season. So hopefully our defensive structure is up to task because I'm, you know, the Trabzon Futuna, as they say, you know, I'm scared of it. I'm really concerned because like John mentioned, this team needs more time. Uh, Torrent needs more time to, you know, implement his system. And I don't even know if he has the correct players. This is not his team. So I'm like, I hope he can work around what this team has to offer to get some kind of result from Trabzon because we're, we're creeping closer to the relegation zone. And so I, that your, really does have me concerned. So what's your score prediction, Emre? I think the opti- optimist in me said we'd win <laughs> against Kusum Pasha, but the pessimist in me is speaking out loud and clear. I feel like we're going to lose this because if they win this, this is I a need, big I need score W for, for them. Next podcast. I think we're going to lose 2-1 at home. Okay. Okay. So John is saying 1-1. You're saying 2-1, Emre. What, what's your score prediction, Mas? Uh, my ones. I uh, also said 1-1 because I have one. a few people out there. I have like five or six people out. Okay, and uh, Yasin? I think they'll be playing Colbuster in the middle of the field at minute 90 while the fans are screaming Istifa again. I think we're going to lose. Oh boy. Two, I think we're going to lose 2 nothing. They have a very, very good, experienced team. Um, they know each other. They know how to play. They have the confidence. And how exciting would it be to continue your good streak against Galsai, who is close to relegation? Um, Trabzon yeah. love to play good against us, especially in Istanbul. That I think the last few years it's always been yeah. like that, and I'm scared to say it. I, I I like to be optimistic. You guys know me. I usually say something like two with two goal margin wins. But today, I mean, thinking about Sunday, I I don't feel so good looking at the last two games. So I'm gonna say two nothing loss. Yeah, for me, uh, my optimism died when. Fent- Fatih Terim left not because I think he was doing a great job don't misunderstand me but I think he was the best at this time at this moment uh, that anyone could do uh, and I'm not saying Torrent is bad or anything 
but from what I've heard, and I, I said before, I give him time all the time. Well, one and a half years is what I would give him. But um, I think based off what I've read and heard about Torrent, he think he will continue his uh, Derby or El Clasico games, losses that he had in Flamengo, and uh, very pessimistic uh, 4-1, 5-1 is... Uh, is my uh, prediction. This is very pessimistic. Jesus. What happened What happened to us? <laughs> the sad thing about that is that could very well happen. Like, I wouldn't even be surprised if that happened. I heard that right, right? You said 5-1? 4-1, I think 4-1. 4-1. I'll keep it on 4-1. This, this is on record now, bro. This is on record now. <laughs> yeah. Dude, this time, I'm going to come back oh. and say, remember those days? Well, uh, there's one option. I could save the game. If I don't stream, we'll probably win. And I think if that okay. is so, if I don't stream, I say two one, optimistic. Uh, but if I stream, I'll say four one. Well, that's the ultimate test, right? If you somehow don't stream and we beat <laughs> pretty much a team that's, I'm just going to say undefeated, even though they only have one loss, pretty much undefeated. That pretty much proves right there, uh, you know. Okay, then you got to get uh, some of the other guys to stream it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Did you guys have anything else to say about the uh, upcoming game against Trabzon? Did they miss anyone, uh, by the way? Um, to, is Trabzon missing anyone? I don't know. Who's their important that, player? Yeah. They have a lot um, of Bacase- players. Bacasetas is, I'd say, their most important player, probably. He came here from came Cornelius from has a lot of goals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cornelius has a lot of goals. I don't know. The whole team is good. That's the thing. Like, it's it's hard to say one player is good because they they play very collectively. In uh, yeah, from what I've seen. And yeah, yeah. And what do you think? Like, who who will we start? Do you think uh, anything about that? Well, definitely Barkan, well, Berkan, Thailand, and Chikuldao, right? Yeah, I, I don't think there would be. I don't. I, I I'm not sur- like expecting any surprises or anything. I think it will be a pretty um expected lineup I, I i would hope if maybe there will be some surprises but i think it would be what we're you know what we're more used to seeing do you think we'll see yedlin over bowie i hope not i don't think i don't, I don't think, so. think so i hope not yeah. i just hope we sign with sylvie okandil and he starts and goes i'm just having <laughs> nightmares <laughs> thinking about yedlin dealing with nwak ama i just can't oof <laughs> oof no don't let's Let's not talk about that right now. Do you think we'll play yeah. Moroton? Yeah, I'm sorry, Yasin? Ooh. Do you think we'll play Moroton again? So Moroton played last game, came off as a sub for Emre Kulinch, who was a starter versus Hatay. So I think that's a question mark. I think the right choice for me would be Emre Kulinch. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that, actually. I, I don't think Moroton is going to start. Um, I, I don't think he's he was... I mean, he did get the assist last game, but it wasn't... Um, you know, it wasn't really anything to write home about, but I don't think he's been that good. And I think he's really one of our weakest players f- physically. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think he'll start against Trabzon. I'm with you on that, but who knows, man? Is that what to expect. any stronger, though? That's the question. Physically yeah, probably wise. not. Physically wise. There's, there's one name that we're not talking about. Bagul is coming back from AFCON. Really? Yeah, yeah, they got eliminated. Algeria got eliminated, I'm pretty sure. So 
do you guys think we'll see Figuli back so soon or no, do you think maybe that, next game? I don't game? think so because uh, Figuli is not the greatest player when it comes to Trabzon games. I think he had two red cards in two different games when he played <laughs> with Trabzon. So uh, that's a big uh, asterisk if you ask me. Is it Ramadan already? If it is, then we should play Figuli. There's, there's <laughs> two more months, bro, for that. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh shit. One more question. Emre Bayram or Van Anholt at left back? Uh, Van Anholt. Van Anholt. Van Anholt, yeah. Van 100%. Just don't, don't ask me that question ever again. Yeah, please. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, hey. We, we've seen it. We've seen it, brother. Yeah. And we didn't like it. I don't it. want to see it. <laughs> well, I'm just happy to have Berkan back because when Berkan's not here, that, that midfield is bland and i feel like jal Dao has like almost zero options when it comes to midfield and we saw that last game like second half we got trampled on in midfield so it's gonna be nice to see him back thailand as well but i think berkan is is really the missing piece for this team at least currently uh, let's hope you're right bro let's hope you're yeah. right all right i think uh we've said a lot uh time flies by uh, and is there any important last things you want to discuss before I uh, sum it up? Uh, um, no, I'm good. Trust the process. Trust the yeah. process is all I'm saying. I mean, uh, we're all. It's a learning process. It's it's news for us as well. Uh, I definitely enjoy doing this with all of you. So uh, that's good. Um, yeah, let's sum it up. I think we discussed a lot of things. Uh, we spoke about Ushtangun's controversial tweets. We spoke about the board, the direction of the board, where they'll go. Uh, Luis Campo visiting us. What's his job? What what kind of things he does? Um, we also discussed Albert Riera a bit, and then we moved on uh, further to the Kasim Pasha game, which we uh, discussed all together. And uh, well, just now we gave our uh, match predictions for next game. So we will see who was right. And I will try not to stream, so I could be optimistic. And, uh, well, if anyone listening has any questions or would like to raise any topics, feel free to tweet to us at the Lions GS, or you can find us on Instagram as well. And uh, I'd like to thank you all uh, for listening. So say goodbye, guys. Take care, See everybody. you, boys. Goodbye. Talk See to you guys later. on the next and one. And gals. Cheers. Cheers. Bye for now, not forever. <laughs>